Welcome to Multifamily Real Estate Investing, presented by Mara Poling. My name is Pat Poling. I'm the founder and CEO of Mara Poling, and I am happy to be with you this week to talk about an interesting little topic that's kind of fun, and that is value in the rent roll. How to find some hidden value that isn't necessarily obvious. And what I'm talking about is the ability for us to raise rents, to increase revenue when we're already renting units at the market rate. How can you do that? Well, I've got the answer to that question, and that's going to be this week's episode. As always, if you have any questions, feel free to shoot me an email, pat at marapolling.com. And do not forget to swing by the Learning Center at marapolling.com. That's M A R A. P-O-L-I-N-G.com for lots of great educational content that I hope you will find of value. Uh, I know I've talked for a couple weeks about us adding some webinars to the schedule, and we haven't done that just yet. We are going to be doing that. So my apologies that we aren't uh, uh, there yet, but we will be soon. So please uh, check back into the Learning Center, uh, the webinar page, and uh, keep an eye out for those new sessions that you can register for. All right, so let's, let's get to this question. How do we raise rents when the rents we're getting for our units are already at market? And, and I'll give you a, a, a more complete scenario here. So let's, let's take our prototypical 100-unit property. And Currently, we're, the rent is, um, we're going to say that all the units are the same size, okay? They're, they're not going to be. But let's say that all the units are the same size. That way, our rent number is one number, and we don't have multiple numbers. So uh, we're renting units when they become available for $850. And when we do a comp study and look around the market, we find that that's what others are doing that have similarly sized, similarly outfitted with similar amenities kinds of units. So we're getting the market rent. And we're 95% occupied. Okay, well, that's pretty good. And maybe everybody else is kind of in the same spot, 93, 94, 95. So we're occupied pretty much in line with market. When we have an empty unit, we're leasing it for what the market is at. So how can we go about raising rents without just saying, okay, we're going to go above the market and in doing so put our occupancy at risk, which we don't want to do. We like 95%. Good place for us to be. So the key component that I haven't shared in that scenario is this. While we are getting $850 for new leases, our average rent is $775, a full $75 below the $850 market rent. So let's break that down into some detail. What that means is we have some number of tenants that are paying $850. Those are the ones that have signed leases in some recent period of time because I just said we're getting the $850 per month for new leases. So that must mean that we have some other number of tenants that are not just paying less than 850, they're actually 
paying less than the $775 average, such that you then, when you average everyone, you get to the $775. So if we could wave a magic wand and get all of the units to the $850 number so that our average was now $850, we would increase revenue by $75 a month times 12 months times the 100 units. And yes, there's a vacancy factor in there. I'm not going to put that in. We're, gonna, we're trying to keep the math simple and simply uh, explain the concept here. That is $90,000 of incremental revenue and almost zero incremental expense. There'll be a little bit of incremental expense because of the property management uh, relationship, which is based on revenue that's collected. But that's pretty much it. Our property taxes aren't going to go up because of it. Our insurance isn't going to go up uh, because of it. Um, it's conceivable um, that some items might even go down. For example, repairs and maintenance and so on. And I'll talk about that in a minute when I talk about the maybe the longer tenured tenants uh, as them being part of uh, this uh, subset that we're describing. So that entire 90000 more or less, falls all the way down to the NOI line. So net operating income increases by $90,000. And that 90000 because our loan isn't getting any more expensive, is going to drop all the way through to the cash line. So cash just grew by $90,000 a year. And, and this is the part that I think is really exciting, if we're in a five-cap market, meaning that on average, investors are willing to pay $20 to buy a dollar of net operating income, then this $90,000 just increased the value of our asset by $1.8 million. That's exciting. That I can generate an additional $90,000 a year in cash, and increase the value of the asset by $1.8 million, and I don't have to do anything above market rents. I don't have to go out and uh, challenge the market. I don't have to put my occupancy at risk. All I have to do is mine this gold that's hiding in my rent roll. So let's talk about that a little bit. So if you're, if you're newer to multifamily, you may not be familiar with the term rent roll. Uh, and that's um, the list of units that includes not just the unit number, so like unit 101, 102, and so on, but it'll have the market rent, which for us is 850. It'll have the name of the tenant, and it'll also have the actual rent they're paying. So if we go and grab the rent roll for our property we're describing here, and we go to unit 101, we might find that tenant A, who lives in unit 101, is at a $850 a month rental rate, and that's the same as the $850 a month market rate. And we go to the next tenant, and we see the same thing. But maybe the third tenant we get to, we find that that tenant's paying $725 a month, and the market rate is $850. And as we continue to go through the rent roll, 
we find that there's a number of tenants that are paying the $850 that is the market rate for these units. And then there's another group of tenants that are paying less than $850. Some might be paying $800 or $8.25 or $775, the actual average that I mentioned. But for every tenant that is paying more than the $775 average, there has to be some equivalent amount of rent less than the average on the other side, obviously, for us to get to that $775 average. So if we went through the rent roll, we might find that half of the tenants are paying the $850 a month. And that kind of makes sense. Generally speaking, a property is going to have about half the tenants, maybe more, renew every year which is why when you look at a rent roll, you'll see that there's a lot of tenants that it's their first year. And then there's another pretty good-sized group of tenants that it's their second year that they've been at the property. And then maybe some others that it's their third year. And that's honestly about the bulk of everybody that's at a property. There are some beyond that, but there's a lot of activity in that one, two, and three-year mark. So if half of the people or so renewed, well, then that means another half or so were new within the last year. And if they were new within the last year and we're getting 850, well, those are the folks that are paying 850. As we go on down, though, what we find is that means half of the people aren't paying 850. And the average of that group, in order for us to average $775, the group that's not paying 850 the average of their rents has to be $700. Because if we're going to average $775, we've got to have just as much shortfall from the average as we do above the average for the market rent number. So that means we've got 50 tenants that, as a group, are paying about $700 a month. Some might be paying $720, $730. Some might be paying $650. Somebody might be paying $500. I don't know. But we would go through the rent roll and look to see what's going on. Now, I would love, as I said, to wave a magic wand and have them all move to 850. Wouldn't that be fantastic? So there is no magic wand like that. There's no, there's no incantation that can make that happen. There is work that needs to be done. And let's set an appropriate expectation. If you were an investor of ours and we were sharing with you that this is a strategy we are employing at one of the assets that we own, for example, in the total return fund, then I would want to set an expectation with you that we are not going to get every one of those units all the way to $850. There'll be some that'll get close. There'll be some that may not get as close as we really would like. And there'll be others that will absolutely get right there. But we're not going to get 100% of that $90,000. doesn't mean we're not going to try. Let's just have a realistic expectation. All right, fine. If I ended up with $80,000 in incremental NOI and an extra $1.6 million in value, I'd still be a pretty happy camper. And remember, I'm doing all that by keeping my occupancy at 95%. Because I'm not going out into the market and saying, hey, I'm going to charge you more than everybody else. I'm still leasing new units, newly available units, for the market rate that I'm already doing. I've already demonstrated that that's a capability we have at this asset. So the opportunity is 
moving these leases that are below average up and up not just to the average because that would only cut the $75 and half, but up to that new market rent of $850. So how do we do that? Well, let's start with what kind of tenancy are these? And I don't, so I don't mean what kind of tenant they are, right? Because it's not something that's a function of who the individual is. It has more to do with uh, the tenancy. Part of that can be the tenure, right? Uh, so I mentioned early on that some of what we will see is a small number of long tenured tenants. We've purchased assets where there are tenants that have not just been there five years or 10 years. There's tenants that have been in some of these properties 20 years or more, which is amazing and wonderful. We're so happy that this has been their home for that length of time. And we'd love to see that continue. Those are not folks we want to go and find some way to just, well, let's get them out of there and go move that rent, especially because these might be the leases that have a greater difference between the market rent of 850 and what's actually being paid. If Let's say someone's paying $650. You can't go to someone and say, well, your renewal's coming up and your rent's going up $200. No one's going to be able to handle that. What is that, like a 30% rent increase? You simply can't do that. If you do do that, you're basically just telling that person to leave. And you don't want to do that, right? These are great folks. They've been great tenants. They've been here a long time. They've paid their rent. Let's keep those folks. Let's work out a plan, right? So part of that becomes an engagement with that tenant to say, hey, you've been in this unit quite a long time. You know, we'd love to get in here and spruce this place up for you. And so I'm not necessarily talking about an upgrade package, although that could be part of what's done. Just the fact that if a tenant's been in a unit for 10 years, that's 10-year-old flooring. It hasn't been painted most likely, in 10 years. There could be a whole bunch of stuff that needs to get done to really bring that unit up to par. So it's possible that moving this tenant from that unit to a unit that is in current market condition uh, could be done. And as part of that, their rent would move. Um, There's also a way to do this in chunks, right? Um, To have a conversation with someone of, your unit is worth this kind of rent. We don't expect you to pay that right this instant. We need to be moving in that direction. Let's figure out a way to do that. Now, the tenant might say, yeah, that's okay. If I can't stay at the rent that I've got, I'm just going to move. And that's their decision, obviously, to make. If they're really committed to, I love this property. I don't want to leave. I want to stay here. Fantastic. Then we want to work with them and arm in arm, move them through a process that over time gets them to an appropriate rent for the unit that they're in and does the things that we want to do to the unit so that they can really enjoy living there, right? We'd love to get them the new flooring package and new appliances and all the other things that would go along with being in a brand new turned uh, unit. So there are long-term tenants. But interestingly enough, when you look at rent rolls that have this particular issue, it's not the long-term tenants that drive the bulk of this. There are a few, and they make some interesting stories. Like I just said, somebody's been in a property for 20 years. What's more likely in our experience is 
there are a group of tenants that came in during a period of time when either our team, if we've owned it a long time, or the prior owner's team simply wasn't executing on the lease optimization component of lease up. Maybe there was an overwhelming focus on occupancy and there wasn't much going on with rents. There's an opportunity that that could have happened during a renewal cycle where, hey, just keep occupancy up, just renew the lease, don't do any increases. Well, if you do that for a couple of times, you could see the market move in some significant way. It's also possible, and again, I talked about if maybe in the last year, it's those leases that are getting the 850, it could be that the market moved rather significantly. Maybe just a year ago, market was $800. And so you had a lot of tenants that maybe were getting leases at 750 or 775, um, not quite at the 800. Maybe that was kind of the, what was needed to get occupancy where, you, where it was wanted at that point in time. And then the market moved, and suddenly it's like, wow, suddenly everybody's behind. Because the market, by the way, in the rent roll, the market's just a number we plug in, right? It doesn't come from anywhere. No, no one on high is giving us that number. We're doing analysis of the competitive environment and then coming up with what those numbers should be and putting them in. So if, if we suddenly say, hey, it's not 800 anymore, it's 850, well, now everybody's at least 50 bucks behind because we instantly just moved that number. And so if that's something we did recently, and we've only got a few leases at 850, well, then part of this strategy is going to be just, we need to get through a full year of renewals in order to get that moved, right? So that can be part of what's uh, behind that. Um, some tenants, especially if the 850 is tied to a certain level of upgrades, which often it is, right, in these value-add properties. Some tenants may say, those are not very important to me. I'm fine with the kind of flooring that's in a classic unit. I'm okay with the current kind of appliance package. I, I prefer getting some extra value if I can in terms of a slightly lower rent. Well, if we could move that tenant, if we could move their rent closer to the $850 market, it wouldn't need to get all the way there if we didn't have to do the upgrade because the upgrade might cost us four, five, six thousand dollars or who knows whatever, but some amount of money. And if I don't have to deploy that, then that means I've got a smaller capital base to spread my returns over. And that may actually end up being a better deal for us. So it could be a win win, right? If so, for our tenants that say, I want to just stay in a classic unit. Great. Their rent still needs to move. It doesn't need to move all the way to the 850, though. It could come up a little bit short. And so that's one of the ways that we can get that extra value out of it. Another is we simply increase the expectations we have at renewal. If the market, right, so if that $850 market is moving every year, at about 3%. So at 850, say it'd go up about 25 bucks. So over the course of a year, that 850 turns into 875. That's about a 3% move. Well, if someone is significantly below, we might say, well, instead of a $25 bump, 
you're going to need to get a $60 bump this time. And maybe we send out a batch of letters to tenants that are in that specific situation. Their renewals are coming up. And we say, you know what? Your renewal rate is going to be X. It's not the full 850, but it's a pretty good step towards getting there. If a lot of those tenants say, whoa, no thanks, that's too big a jump for me, well, then we're going to have some vacancies, and we've already demonstrated we can fill those vacancies. So as long as we don't empty the building by doing that, that's one way we could move the rents, is we have some people move out, and we get new tenants to move in, and they move in at the 850 because that's what the market is at right now. And so they're comfortable with that. But it's also possible... And this has been our experience very often, that people like where they live. And I like the way you run the property, and I like what's going on here, and I want to stay. And I'm willing to pay an extra 60 a month over what I was paying, even though the standard 3% increase might have only been 25 And that 60 gets them a lot closer to the $850 average. If that happens, then the next month, we might push a little harder. We might go 65 or $70 or something like that. At some point in time, we're going to find the number where the tenant base that is below this average, that is, that is dragging the average down, where they're going to say, yeah, that's too much. I'm going to move. And obviously, it's not a monolithic group. Every individual tenant's making decisions based on a variety of factors. The size of the renewal being just one of many factors, right? If they may have had a life change event, they got married, they got divorced, uh, they had uh, children, they became empty nesters, they got a pet. There's a million different things that could have happened that would cause somebody to renew or not renew. But purely on the financial piece, we want to get to that place where we can kind of see what that number is. And it's very possible that we can eat up a lot of that average difference of $75 simply by asking for it at renewal time. And then if we don't get it, going out to the market to get it from a new tenant that would come in. So there are long-tenured tenants that we can work with that, to get them on a trajectory that moves in the right way. There are tenants that we could keep their rent below the $850 market, but do so because we aren't spending money on maybe an upgrade package that might be some standard we're putting in. And that's a possibility we could negotiate with those folks. Uh, we go into the unit, we clean up a number of things because they've been there for a while, but we leave it in classic condition, and we don't spend $6,000 doing an upgrade and because we don't do that, there's room to uh, not have them have to have as large uh, of a rent increase. We can boost the renewals, right? We can go into the renewal market and simply ask for more dollars. And if people pay those, that gets us closer. And if they don't and they move out, well, then that probably gets us all the way to the 850 from that standpoint. One last strategy is if we're consistently getting $850 for new tenants that are coming in and we're maintaining that 95%, we should test $860, $865. Just because 
we're at these numbers at 850 doesn't mean there's not another five or ten dollars of value or fifteen dollars there it is quite possible that that's the case and as i mentioned the market's going to move over the course of a year not linearly right so you can't take a 25 dollar annual move based on three percent and say well every six months it moves twelve dollars where every uh, quarter it moves about six dollars it just isn't going to move like that but you could test now if as you test there's pushback well then you go to your 850 but if there isn't you could begin to get some leases where they are above your market number of 850 and that's not uncommon to see when you look at a rent roll you might see five to ten percent of the leases are above market and those are most likely the newest leases and at some point in time that will lead you to the conclusion that the market is no longer 850 it's 865 or it's 870 or something like that and as you can see when you move that market it begins this process again so mining this piece of the rent roll is a great way to increase the value of the asset to generate extra cash and yet to do so in a way in which we're not putting any outward pressure on the market we're not trying to stand out different than the competition and make an argument that says you should pay more to live here than to live there we can make that argument separately right there's nothing wrong with that and having that ability to draw distinctions from the competition but Purely from a standpoint of without having to do that, I could move rents in a way that could generate, as you can see, tens of thousands of dollars of incremental NOI. So I hope this made sense. If it didn't, please shoot me an email, pat at marapolling.com. If you'd like to learn more about this, in particular, how we actually deploy this strategy inside the total return fund because this is one of the tools we use as we continually work on growing net operating income uh, then shoot me an email and let's set up some time and i'm happy to walk through it with you show you some examples and uh, and help you understand it more deeply if after listening to all of this you, this is something that you're really interested in and you want to learn more about potentially working with us then again visit marapolling.com a lot of great content there and you can always shoot me an email and we can set up some time for a chat so i hope that you found this week's session valuable as i do every week and please join me next week for the next episode of multifamily real estate investing presented by mara poling